Before I get going with this podcast, I want to make a huge shout out to Anchor. And if you don't know what Anchor is, Anchor is the platform that I am using to make these podcasts. Anchor is pretty much an all-in-one solution for making podcasts. It is super easy to upload your own audio clips, upload your own sound effects, all of that jazz. And then the best part about Anchor is that it does all the distribution for you to all podcast platforms. So currently, our podcast, the Wasabi Chat, is available on the Anchor platform. It's available on Breaker, Podcasts, oh sorry, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and as of yesterday, Spotify. Hopefully, by the time you listen to this, my goal is to have the podcast available on Apple Podcasts. That'll be the last one that Anchor can distribute to, and we will go from there. But anyways, this is episode two of the Wasabi Chat. So my sister and I, we go to Eastside Mario's uh, a few nights ago, and well, we went to Eastside Mario's because after 9 o'clock at night, they have something called half-off appetizers, which is exactly what it sounds like. It is half-off any appetizer on the menu as long as you order a drink. I don't know if it's all Eastside Mario's, but it's the one that we go to. Anyways, so we go in, and how half-off app, how half-off apps works, because I've been there a thousand times, is you have to sit in the bar section of the restaurant, not the actual restaurant dining room section. So we go in, and I, the server comes up to the front, or sorry, the hostess comes up to the front desk, and she says, um, you know, table for two? And I go, yes, table for two, because it's me and my sister. I say, actually, we're wanting to do the half-off appetizers, um, and I know you have to sit in the bar. Is that okay? And she pauses for a second. She stands there for a second. And she looks at me like beady eyes. She goes, uh, one, one second. She says one second. And then she runs back to get someone else. Or to get help, apparently. Goes back to get her help. Finds another co-worker. That co-worker comes up to us at the front table at the front of the restaurant and this is how that conversation went this is okay this is how it went she comes up to us and this is how it went do you have a question that that's what she said to us she literally stared at us for like five seconds and asked us if we had a question which means two things number one the first girl that was helping us obviously did not give the second girl the spiel about us wanting to sit for half-off appetizers. And no, number two, we do not have a question. It was not a question. I was just telling you, we're doing half-off apps, meaning we have to sit in the bar. No question. Why do you come up to someone and say, Do you have a question? Like, all that boggled. That boggled our minds. So my response, my sister and I, Katrina, Kat and I, we literally stood there and we're like, uh, uh, what? No, like, no, we don't have a question. We just want to sit down and eat. What do you mean, no? Like, what? So that was our Eastside Mario story. 
on to the next stuff. Wow, was that a good story? I don't know. Anyways, moving on. There are two things, two things I want to talk about today in episode two. Thing number one, oh, what should I start with, actually? Okay, yeah, no. Thing number one is more tactical with regards to uh, industry and work as a whole. And, again, I will preface this by saying that this is stuff from my own experience. This is not stuff from um, my 40 years of experience. It's stuff that I've experienced in my own life. And this that I'm about to share with you, this lesson, comes from uh, somebody that I watch all the time on YouTube. His name is Gary Vaynerchuk, or Gary V, on, on the YouTubes. And it's this idea... Of math versus art. Math versus art. And what the differences are when you're in business. And he has a whole video about this. But essentially what he says is. Well, actually I'll, I'll link the video in the description. Or how does this work with podcasts? But anyways. Go on YouTube and type in the two keys to success for companies. Math and art. Gary Vee. At some point in the video, he says, big companies are really bad at math, and small companies are really bad at art. Big brands want to spend $2 million on making a video, and the small companies think it's all math. That's why they end up running out of time. Because CAC and LTV are fine, which are metrics, but when you're not actually building brand, you're becoming unbelievably vulnerable. I want to talk about this whole video, but about this quote that he says, this whole uh, paraphrase that he mentions in the middle of this video, that big companies are bad at math, and small companies are bad at art. And I can see that, anyone can see this if they look around in where they live. Small town, big town, doesn't matter. Look around where you live. Look at 95% of the really small businesses in your area. A one-off restaurant or a mom-and-pop um, bed and breakfast or, or whatever it is. Most of the time, they are not spending enough attention on creating amazing content in any way for their marketing efforts. Cre- creatively. Artistically. You see... Um, handwritten signs, uh, you don't see Facebook ads or or um, Instagram ads or Insta story ads, anything. They're really bad at making good creative art, artistic content because a lot of their effort, 95% of the times, is making sure that their math is in check, is that their books are equaling out and they can get by to make next month more profitable. That's all they care about is the math. The problem with that is they're not building a brand. These small mom-and-pop shops, they're too busy focusing on the math that they're not actually building a brand. So let's take a step back for a second here and discuss what is branding for a small business. At the core, branding is what defines your small business from any other business in the industry or in that area as a whole. On the macro, or not macro, sorry, on the larger corporation sense, Apple has developed a brand. 
a company like Supreme has developed a brand. You think and feel certain emotions and thoughts when you think of those brands. A mom-and-pop shop with a handwritten sorry we're closed or um, daily special sign, there's no branding. It's, it's just generic. Right? They're too busy making sure that every bottom line in their math checks out. And that's an issue because it makes them, as Gary Vee says, unbelievably vulnerable. Now on the flip side, he says big companies are really bad at math. And the reason he says that is because he believes that large corporations are spending way too much money. They're really bad at this math. They're spending way too much money on making a video or making any piece... Oh, there's that walking again upstairs. Big brands are spending way too much money making a video or making pieces of content that aren't going far enough. They're not penetrating far enough. Or they're too generic to be hitting the right market or the right person. And all of this is, for the big brands at least, equaling them not building a brand correctly. They're making generic content that's not penetrating and having enough effect on the end consumer. So he says that big companies are really bad at math and small companies are really bad at art. That was topic number one. Kind of quick. Just a short topic to get our, our gears in check here. Also, I want to hear some... Before I go to topic number two, I want to hear feedback from you guys on what you want to talk more about on this podcast, what you want to hear less of. Do you want to talk more about business stuff? Do you want to talk more about life stuff? Do you want to talk about other stuff? You gotta tell me. Nonetheless, part number two and final part and largest chunk of this podcast comes from Another mentor that I love to follow, his name is Tim Ferriss. And if you're at all into um, life coaching or positive psychology or any of that stuff, you should know Tim Ferriss' name. He is, uh, he is uh, a, 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 a madman in the world of life hacking. Meaning that he tries to figure out what makes people tick and what makes people the best versions of themselves in every realm. So we had this, uh, this is actually coming from Tim's uh, most recent TED Talk, I believe. You can just, again, Google or YouTube it, Tim Ferriss TED Talk. And he talks about this dark place that he was once in in his life. A very dark place for him. And he, of course, was in, he was in no mindset to be thinking about all of the goals and aspirations that he had in life. And instead, all he thought about all day long was how fearful he was of taking the next step or taking uh, a leap of faith in his life. So what he developed is this notion and this exercise that he calls fear setting. Very much like goal setting. It's called fear setting. And 
What I want you to do right now, actually, is if you are in front of a laptop or you're in front of a blank piece of paper or near one, please get one. You'll need three sections or three pages. And this is how it works. Number one, you want to visualize the one thing that you want to do most. You want to take that leap of faith or whatever it is. I'm going to use uh, Brittany and I's example right now. To uh, we want to we want to move to Los Angeles or move to somewhere new. Section number one. Okay, write that. You can pause this at any time to catch up. Section number one. He says write down the ten to twenty worst possible things that could happen if you did what you wanted to do. So we could um, let's take Los Angeles as an example. We live in Toronto. Um, we could move to Los Angeles, and one thing that could go totally wrong is that we did not file the paperwork out correctly and get deported out of the country. Because we're illegal immigrants, technically, into the U.S. Number two is we might go there and uh, we might end up totally hating our experience there. We might hate the people. Let's take the people. We might hate the people that were around all the time in Los Angeles. So do that for about 10 to 20 things and get into great detail with all of these. And now, after you have those 10 to 20 things, you want to write down for each one how could you possibly prevent each one or decrease the likelihood of them happening before they happen. So not after. But how would you prevent each one of those things from happening? So for the first one, we would try our very hardest to do all of the research possible. Maybe hire a immigration lawyer. Maybe talk to other people that have done the same thing before, etc., um, etc. Et for the second one, this one is more of a decrease the likelihood. We could figure out who we want to surround ourselves with. We could intentionally find events and gatherings to go to that are up our alley to increase the likelihood of enjoying the people's company in Los Angeles. Now section three, oh sorry, part three of this section. If the worst case scenario does happen, if any of those things on your list does end up happening, how could you fix any of them, even just a bit? So if any of them does happen, how could you even fix it remotely? So for the first one, again, not filling out our papers correctly, all of that, we could once again hire an immigration lawyer and try to figure things out after the fact. Uh, or we could move back to Canada come back to my parents' place or find a new place and start again, try again. Number two, with the us hating everyone around us, we could once again, even after the fact, say, okay, why are we not liking the people that we're around? And most likely, it's because they're not the correct people for us, in that they're not giving us the positive energy that we need to do what we need to do. 
So what does this teach us in part one? Part one, or section one, teaches us... Oh, I thought I heard something. Never mind. Part one teaches us that nothing that goes wrong is permanent. And that almost everything has a solution. That was the door, sorry. Ignore that. Almost everything has a solution. And then you want to ask yourself, Tim says this in, in the uh, TED Talk. He says, has anyone else in the history of time figured this problem out? So, am I actually the first one from Canada to move to the U.S. and, you know, messed up my papers? Probably not. Probably not. Moving on to section two. This one's the funnest section. Or the most funnest? Most fun section. What would be the benefits or what are the upsides to at least even partially succeeding at what you wanted to do? So if you ended up doing what you wanted to do, if we ended up moving to Los Angeles, what would be the upsides to doing that? Well, for one, with the careers that Brittany and I are in, Los Angeles has a way bigger marketplace for that, way larger industry for that. So one of the benefits of a partial success in doing that would be that I can grow my career to a larger level than any before, any other time before in my entire life. That's a fun thought. It's a positive thought. And you want to spend about 10 to 20 minutes writing down in bullet points what the good things uh, that would happen or the benefits that would happen if you even partially succeeded at this. Moving on to part three. What would be the cost of inaction? This is the most important section because what people often overlook, and Tim says this, and I believe this down to a T, what people often overlook is what are the costs of not doing anything at all, of inaction. And you want to look at this in a six-month or a one-year or a three-year, maybe even a five-year timeline. But don't go, any, go, don't go any further than that, because after that, it becomes kind of hazy and not really tangible enough to say this is what could happen. But do this for a six-month, a one-year, and a three-year timeline and get very detailed into, into your life in those times. And it, you'll find that it, it'll paint a very dark and scary image for you. For us, it might... It, it, for us, it does paint an image of we are almost too comfortable with what we're doing. We lose ambition. We, um, we spiral into this headspace of negativity because we feel like we're going nowhere and we're in a place geographically that isn't supporting where we want to be or what we want to do. And in one, three, or five years, we have the same amount of money that we do now, we have not grown in our careers, and all these terrible things. And that's a scary thought. But what all these sections are doing for you, what all these sections, part one, two, and three, are doing for you with fear setting, is it is defining your fears. And defining the picture of what you're about to, um, what you're about to go after. And once you've defined what it is that you want to do from a fear standpoint, 
you can then be much open and much more content with the possible upsides and downsides of doing what you want to do. And the funny thing is, most likely, if you put all your effort in, as part one taught us that nothing is permanent that goes wrong, most likely things will go very well in what you want to do. That was a length. I think I think the way I explained it was longer than Tim's entire TED talk. I apologize. I really do apologize. That was I see my last the last po- podcast was about twenty minutes as well, and I kind of like the twenty minute time frame. To be honest, I don't know why. I'm at 20, 20 minutes and forty five seconds right now. I'm gonna call it a day on this one. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Again, quick recap. Math versus art from Gary Vaynerchuk and Tim Ferriss's Fear Setting. Look up both of those mentors, both of those business and life mentors. They have they have personally helped me out a ton with the stuff that I uh, do all the time in everyday life and that Brittany does in her everyday life. And I hope you guys really enjoyed this podcast. If you did, please share it with the world. If you didn't, I am sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry I wasted your 22 minutes. Hopefully you got something out of it. But nonetheless, I'll catch you guys in the next one. This was podcast number two of the Wasabi Chat.